ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and I am delighted to introduce our guest today with the Executive Girlfriends Group Radio Program. It's a little bit unusual because we don't normally interview fiction authors, but we have just such a special guest today that has written so many uh, books and has uh, recently come out with uh, another novel about Christmas, and you're going to be seeing it on the Hallmark Channel soon. So let me introduce my guest. And, oh, Debbie, it's uh, your last name is pronounced like cucumber, you said, right? Right, <laughs> Debbie, right. Mac- Macumber? Macumber. No. Yeah, Macumber. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, it's Debbie funny Macumber because we... I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> well, I am delighted to have you, and I, I uh, always like to get it right. And you and I uh, tried to do this show on Friday and had a little technical difficulties, so I am so glad that you were available today. Debbie, why don't you give us a little bit of your background well, uh, where would you like to start? I, um, if you think I have a big college background, I don't. I am one of those people who I'm dyslexic. I barely graduated from high school. I had this dream of being an author, and um, but I married young. Uh, my husband and I had four children in five years, and accepting that dream just pounded inside of me to write books. Well, I can tell because you are definitely a prolific author and you have written everything from cookbooks to, as uh, I said, uh, many different uh, novels. And uh, so it's interesting that you say that you're dyslexic because for an author, has that been a barrier for you? It has, uh, simply because uh, I had to, well, the gift God gave me is that of being a storyteller. And... Uh, when I started putting everything down on paper, I had, first of all, I'm a very creative speller. <laughs> and so I had to have my work proofread uh, several times before it could ever go into print. And it, and simple things, you know, I'm not extremely dyslexic, but I was 10 before I learned how to read. Uh, but there are certain words that are interchangeable in my mind, and I'll oftentimes I'll write a sentence, and there'll be one or two words missing. They're there in my mind. But they oh, just you know what? Mind. I think you're related to my son, because oh. that's exactly how he writes. And I'll ask him to read it, and he will put them in when he's reading it. And then I'll read yeah. it back to him without the words, and he's shocked that they aren't there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably has it, too. So tell me about the the storytelling. Did this begin when you were young? Oh, yes. All the time I was making up stories. I used to go to sleep at night uh, formulating stories in my mind. That was how I would drift off to sleep thinking about uh, different characters. And when I was a teenager I would uh, and babysitting, I was the highest paid babysitter in our city because I would make up stories with the kids. And I would use, they would, uh, characteristics about them so that they knew it was them that I was telling the story about. Mm. 
So that's that's really the gift God gave me. I had to learn to be a writer, I, and I did learn, which says a lot about if you have a desire and a passion for something and you don't think you're good at it, you can learn. Right, right. Well, that, you know, you've uh, overcome an incredible obstacle. So tell me about your very first book that got published. Oh, my goodness, what a story that is. Because if I've ever seen God's hand in my life, and I have many, many times, this is probably one of the most profound moments of my life. I had been writing for almost five years, and I had sold a piece to Women's Day magazine, just a short piece, for which I got $350. Well, to this point, I had never met another writer in the world. And I had been submitting my work to New York, but I swear to you, it hit me in the back of the head on the way home from the post office. I got rejected that fast. And uh, my husband very wisely said, well, why don't you attend a writer's conference? And there was one coming up in our area in August, and this was like early spring. And when the time came around, there were two editors from the very house that I'd been submitting to that had agreed to read two or ten manuscripts. And so I submitted my proposal, and they chose my manuscript. And I was so excited. So I, I would go to this conference. And this is the first time, you know, it was a one-on-one meeting. It was They were going to talk about the manuscripts. They were going to critique them in front of this whole group. And there were about, oh, maybe 350 authors there in this group. And, you know, I was one of the ten. And the uh, editor that had read my manuscript uh, got up and said, one of the manuscripts I read shows a lot of promise. And... I was so sure it was mine, just so sure. (laughs) Well, it wasn't. And she had the whole room laughing at what she called the infeasibility of my plot. Now, she could have said anything she wanted to about my writing talents or my ability to put words on a page, but not my storytelling because I knew that was my strength. So I went up to her afterwards and... um, I said, you know, because you're willing to do whatever it takes. I certainly was. And I said, if I rewrite this, would you give me another chance? Would you look at it again? Now, Jackie, it's been over 30-some years now. And even now, I'll never forget the look that came over her as she leaned forward and she put her hand on my arm and stared me straight in the eye and said, throw it away. Throw it away after five years wow. of you know, sacrifice and, and and investment. And these are really hard times in our family. We could have used that extra money. Oh, yeah. Wayne was out of work. Uh, the kids and I, are, he was up in Alaska uh, waiting to go out with the union, waiting for his number to come up. The kids and I were living in Seattle on his unemployment check of $150 a week. And I mean, I, I stayed up all night. I didn't even bother to go to bed. I, the the shadows on the wall were taunting me, and they were saying, so you think you're going to be a writer? You know, the third grade teacher that said to my mom, Debbie's a nice little girl, but she's never going to do well. Oh, my you know, gosh. Those, <laughs> well, I have to tell our listeners that I have interviewed over 400 authors, but never have I interviewed an author that has 48 
pages of books on Amazon. <laughs> I kept thinking, well, I wonder if it's just going in a circle. <laughs> Nobody has this many books. <laughs> so how many have you published, Debbie? Oh, um, uh, you know, I really don't know, Chickie, because... Well, I'll, I'll they, tell you, they have 576 results uh, on your oh, page. Well, that's... No, no, I have not written 576 books. It's over 100. <laughs> well, it must but be multiple the, editions of the same same book, yeah, I guess, yeah, Kindle exactly and paperback and hardback. But right. anyway, it's still a lot of books, and that is a an enormous success uh, by any measure. The interesting thing is the book that was rejected was the one that sold. Wow. When it sold, I had uh, uh, when I say God's hand, I had um, I decided I wasn't going to listen to her. I didn't care if uh, New York wanted to see this manuscript or not. I'd sent a query letter out. I took the kids to the post office. I mailed off the book, and uh, I had sent out this query letter, and I kept waiting for a reply, and none came. I thought I don't care. I'm mailing it off. I came home from the post office, and the letter was there the answer to my query that said, do not mail us your book. And here I just spent $10, $10 of $150 a week to mail this right. book. And yet three weeks later they called and bought it. If I had waited a half hour, I would never have mailed it. Oh, my gosh. So God's hand, he knew. Absolutely. All well, the books I had written. Oh. I'm sorry, would you say that again? I, I, I interrupted I, I wrote uh, four books, and all four of the books sold. I had to rewrite them. The stories were good. The writing was immature. Interesting. So So you have had also just amazing success at taking the books from the written genre uh, to the TV screen and also to the movie screen. So I would love to hear that story of how you got to Hallmark uh, because uh, you have had, uh, again, amazing success with the Cedar Cove series. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that people, you know, would would see your movies and or your, your TV shows and not even realize that there were books behind it. So talk to us a little bit about that experience. This is the funnest story. I love telling this story because my entire movie career can be credited to a 22-year-old intern which is so great. Uh, Dan Wigatow Productions, he had done a bunch of true crime stuff, and he wanted to do something a little more lighthearted. He was thinking about doing a Christmas movie, so he gave this intern the assignment to read as many Christmas books as she could and and pick one. And so she, she chose Mrs. Miracle, and she brought it to him, and he looked at the cover and flipped through it, and he says, I don't think so. And she said, read the book. You asked me to do this assignment. I took it seriously. I read dozens of books. This is the one I think would make the best movie. And he said, okay, you're right. I'll give it a chance. And he took it, and he read it, and he came back, and he said, you're right. I love the story. And so they did Mrs. Miracle. They sold it to the Hallmark Channel. And the uh, it was the top-rated movie of the year. So the next year we did Call Me, Mrs. Miracle, which was, again, the top-rated movie of the year. Wow. And uh, they went into the television series business. And so since I had the series and I had two of their most successful movies, uh, 
they went with that. So, I mean, I just feel so incredibly blessed. And it all started with a 22-year-old intern. Oh, that's amazing. Well, and and who wouldn't take no for an answer? And I I think that that's a – since we have a business audience on this show – that is a lesson that people really can take from this. And, you know, on top of you not being daunted uh, by your your reading disability and really just going into a career that was the most unlikely career, I, I think that those are two really, really important parts of your story, that and your faith. I mean, I, certainly uh, faith is a driving force in my life. So, you know, I always love it when we have guests on the show who who recognize that that even their own talent uh you know came came from something bigger than themselves. Oh, absolutely. I I'm, I'm quick to give God the credit cuz I'm of my own I could do nothing. <laughs> so so what's next? You you also I understand own a tea room and and a yarn store. And uh, it doesn't look like you have a lot of extra time in your life, but you still find time to give back. And, you know, you've done some work with World Vision and with Guidepost National Advisory Cabinet. Talk to us about that side of your passion. Well, the Guidepost uh, started in a very interesting way. When I was first trying to get published, every time I got a rejection, I would force myself, and I literally had to force myself, to read Norma Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking. And after I sold my first book, I wrote him, and I thanked him for writing that book. And the most amazing thing happened. He wrote me back. Mm. And that has had a powerful influence on me as an author because every single person who writes me gets a response. I write them back, too. I know how I felt when I got that letter from Norman Vincent Peale, and I wanted my readers to know that I appreciated their feedback. In fact, the feedback from the readers have changed the course of my career about four or five different times. Mm. So, And then because I'm an avid knitter, knitting saved me. God sent knitting into my life when I was about 12 years old, and it saved me as a child because I was always at the bottom of my class. I was always struggling. And when I found knitting, it was something I had a sense of accomplishment. It helped me with comprehensive skills and with math skills, and it built my self-esteem. And so knitting has been a very big part of my life from the time that I was just a child. And so it's natural for me to write about knitting, to write about knitters and stories involving knitters. And... um, so I, I started with Guideposts and Knit for Kids. Guideposts gave that when it, the program just got too big for them, gave it over to World Vision, so I became involved with World Vision. And this last summer, my husband and two granddaughters and I traveled to Kenya to hand out sweaters. We brought along mm. 15 suitcases with us of sweaters. Wow. Knit for people all around America, all around the world, to give to these kids. It was a fabulous trip. Well, and I was also noticing as I was going through your Facebook page, uh, Patty actually uh, drew drew my attention to it. Um, Tell me about your Aunt Betty. Oh, my Aunt Betty, what a most amazing woman. She is my father's oldest sister, and she's going to be celebrating her 104th birthday next month on Mm. December 18th. She is an amazing, amazing woman, and the, I, she's the only surviving aunt that we have. And 
uh, such an incredible witness for God and and a faith. And she's the, you know, she's the, she was the mother really because my grandmother had diabetes. And as a diabetic, she was often sick. They didn't have a lot to help back in the 30s and 40s. And so she actually raised the younger kids. And so my dad always thought of her as his mother, his second mother. Wow. Well, I have a a, a pediatrician that we used to use in Georgia when my daughter was first born that was 105 when she stopped practicing. And it reminded me of her. Uh, but just amazing life in her eyes, and you know she she just looks so clear and sharp and and full of life. It, it really is amazing. And I really think the the secret to her longevity is that she's never held a grudge. She's easy, you know, has an easy laugh, and has such a strong faith. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, Debbie, you also have written some cookbooks, and I've been uh, browsing through your recipes on your Facebook page uh, looking for some recipes for the holidays. And, wow, are these your own creation, or do you collect recipes from people? I do. I'm a, I'm a foodie. I really love to – well, I love to eat, and I love to cook. And the, the cookbooks are a result of that reader feedback I was just talking about um, – Every time I would mention a recipe in one of my books or one of the what the heroine is cooking or eating, right. um, the uh, my office would get flooded with letters. Do you have a recipe for that? Would you mind sharing <laughs> it? And so um, I, I saved those letters, sent them to my publisher, and said, well, let's do a Cedar Cove cookbook. And by golly, they they agreed to do it. it was, they'd never done a cookbook before. They were a fiction publisher. And so we put all the recipes together that I have. But the interesting part is that uh, recipes are copyrighted. So, and I didn't know where I got these recipes. You know, I've, they've been in our family for years. And and so I would give them the recipes. They would take them then to a recipe to developer, which, I mean, I could have done this career. I What a great career to have. And she would take them and change them enough to that, so that they would be original. Oh, and I wasn't, uh, you know, stepping on anybody else's copyright. Right. So, so yeah. So she uh, she did both my cookbooks. I did a uh, the Cedar Cove cookbook the first time my publisher had ever done a cookbook. Hit the Times list, and that all of that came right directly from the readers themselves who asked for the recipes. Wow. So as you move forward, you know, how do you how do you split your time? How do you prioritize your day? Well, um my day starts with God. I the first thing I do when I get up in the morning are my devotions, and I have a number of journals. I have my prayer journal, I have a gratitude journal, and I have a a journal that I've kept from the time that I was uh oh, probably about when I first started writing, 11. In fact, my daughter found, and how she ever got this, I don't know. It was probably in my mother's things. But it was my diary from the time that I was um, about 11 or 12 years old. And it's, it's amazing to me that there are, there are entries. It was one of the old five-year ones. This is the right. diary my brother and two of my cousins copied and sold to the boys in my class. <laughs> 
It's also oh, the diary, wow. the entry when John Kennedy died. I was just a preteen, and and um, I, it, I I saw that entry, and I I literally got tears in my eyes because, you know, that my my young heart was broken for our country, right. and I said, Kennedy died today. I wish I'd died too. Oh, I, I start with God, and, and so that and that has really been the key to my success, I believe, that morning time with God. Uh, then I exercise, and I come to the office. I do my um, uh, answer emails and start my chapter and don't go home until the pages are done. And, and so you I'm write home, every I, day? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, writing is my life. <laughs> it's what Amazing. God created me to do. Amazing. Yes, I mean, I, I am, I am a writer as well, and I write many, many different kinds of things, and I'm, am just stepping out into a, a new genre because I've written primarily, uh, not only business books but like business studies within my industry. So I'm, I'm a noted author, uh, you know, and, and expert on certain topics in my industry. But I have been wanting to step out and and write an allegorical novel. So that is that is my next uh venture but writing every day. I guess once you get in that habit, um it just flows. Um once I start writing, I really can't stop. Um yeah. but I I'm not anywhere near as disciplined as you are. That that has been really. I have had more opportunities in my career for the simple reason that I meet my deadlines. It's, right. it's just amazing to me that people will be given an opportunity and not take it because you know they get sidetracked with other things or for whatever reason. And even I was appearing at a, a conference, and I wasn't even the the keynote speaker. And uh, the conference people sent out a. Um, a request saying, whoever can get here for uh, a TV interview, please respond. And I was the only one who did. And I wasn't, Amazing. I mean, this was a long time ago. And all of the other people were too busy doing other things that they didn't even read the email. Interesting. <laughs> so it was, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to, to have, and I was raised that way. You know, my dad had his own business, and this is something a lot of writers don't understand. We are our own CEOs. Our success yes. depends on us and how seriously we take our career. So, Debbie, I see that you also do speaking engagements. What kinds of things do you speak on? Uh, well, it depends on the group that I'm speaking to. I've, I've done a number of uh, nonfiction books based on some life experiences that I give uh, talks to churches and things. Um, so I've, I've done that, and a lot to writers' groups. I speak uh, the last uh, uh, two weeks ago, I was in three different cities, and each one I was speaking in a different venue. It was an author dinner with uh, four other authors, and uh, then I was at a book fair where I did an on-stage interview. So it just depends on the venue itself. Mostly it revolves around my books. Right, right. So, Debbie, if you had to give one piece of advice to our audience, what would it be? 
from all of the things that you've learned along along the way and and the ups and downs of uh you know waiting for someone to approve a manuscript and getting rejected and <clears throat> all of those things what would be the one thing that you would want our listeners to take home today uh, I I think probably the key message and you've probably heard this from uh your other interviewees is don't give up it's so easy to let the be discouraged and think you know I'm not going I don't have it uh it, it's too hard but if you are passionate about the gift that you have and the desire that you have don't give up have faith in yourself and don't be afraid to dream big i made a list of five totally impossible things that that uh, far and beyond anything i could ever expect or imagine and yet they're coming true one by one god is making them don't give up you know you have not because you ask not ask. right so it is just about Christmas season. I know that uh, you already have uh, some of your, your previous movies that, that replay on the Hallmark Channel. Tell us about the one that's coming up this Christmas season. Uh, December 6th, uh, Mr. Miracle will debut on the Hallmark Channel. And this is a setup for a TV series. So uh, it's a backdoor to a TV series. So... Um, it stars Rob Morrow, who played in Northern Exposure and Numbers, as uh, an angel sent down to intervene in Earth. I mm. took it from Hebrews 13:2, which says, "Do not be afraid to entertain, for some entertain angels unaware. Mm. So entertain strangers. So he is an angel that God has assigned to work in a English class at a community college." Great. Can't wait. So you said December 6th? December is the 6th, correct. That's a Saturday Okay, night. great. And that comes from the book of the same name, Mr. Miracle, which along with all of Debbie's other books are available on Amazon. And so if you uh, love her writing, you can keep busy for a very, very long time. And if you're interested in having Debbie speak to your organization, Debbie, can you tell them the best way to contact you? Uh, the best way is through my website at Debbie at uh, uh, DebbieMayComber dot com, and uh, there is a, a link there to speak to me. So just fill it in. And as she said, she does answer all of her emails. She's also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Goodreads, and Pinterest, and those links are also on her website. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for being so flexible with us. Again, uh, you know, sorry we weren't on on Friday as, as we normally are, but uh, glad to be able to have you on this special show today. Just leading into the holiday season, we're just getting ready to uh, give thanks for everything in our life this week and then, uh, of course, heading into the Christmas season. So looking forward to seeing your new um, TV movie, Mr. Miracle, and uh, can't wait to read the book. Debbie, thank you so, so much for for joining the Executive Girlfriends Group. All right, my dear. Well, you have a terrific week and... For those who'd like to know more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, it's executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. There we also have links to our Facebook page. We do have a private Facebook group for our members, and we are going to have some year-end specials coming up here shortly, so 
stay tuned and join us again this Friday. Thank you so much. Take care, Debbie. Oh, thank you. Bye, Jackie. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Oh, 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 oh,